Hello, this is Alex Saviuk for Superior Spider Talk. Hope everybody's having a great day. Welcome to the Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks again for joining us for the 32nd episode of Superior Spider Talk. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a little bit of a bigger picture. Yes, and for episode 32, we'll be discussing Superior Spider-Man number 28. Not now, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Answering some fan mail, discussing all the spider news that's fit to print, and then discussing our memories of the classic Amazing Spider-Man number 39. If if I'm not correct, is that the uh, Romita issue? That is indeed the Romita issue, not not number 39, volume 2, which was, I think, the follow-up to the conversation, right? Yeah, the John Romita issue. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's another Romita issue. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> John Romita Sr.'s first issue, Amazing Spider-Man number 39. All right. Well, if you guys want to skip to a specific section like that, uh, you know, review at Classic Comics, you can just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. Also, if you hear this familiar sound... Please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, let's get right to it. Superior Spider-Man 28. So, Superior Spider-Man number 28, we got the world falling apart for Otto again. Everything is just coming down around him, Dan. Uh, Spider Island is being blown to smithereens. Um, Peter Parker, his friends and family are getting attacked by the Goblin Army. Anna Maria gets picked up by Lily Hollister. Um, you know, Otto's world is falling apart, which is a world, which is a phrase I feel like I've said a number of times over the last couple of issues. I mean, are we are we kind of retreading the same old ground here, Dan? I don't know if I if I would say that. I mean, this is kind of the falling apart kind of stuff that we've been waiting for for a while. It might not have the momentous impact, you know, after kind of hearing this many times before, you know, but I think this time we're actually seeing it. So, uh, you know, I'm still on board for this. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, and, and, and I gotta say, I mean, like, Dan Slott has really built it to the point where I'm actually starting to feel a little bit of sympathy for Otto with what's going on, although, um, you know, I still wish that there was a little more um, self-reflection from him on the character. I mean, at some point, he really does have to kind of own up to the fact that, you know, this is all of his own 
undo, you know, his own doing or undoing, whatever you want to say. I mean, you got a little bit of it in the last issue and kind of like that opening monologue, the 31 days later. But in this, it's, it's, it's still this, this idea that he's going to outsmart the goblin and, 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 you know, win the day, so to speak. And, you know, I think that, you know, there's, there's three up, there's three issues of the series left. So, um, you know, he's going to have to come to this realization pretty quick that he's not going to win doing things the way he's currently doing it. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, about this whole like sympathy thing that you've been using. You even wrote about it on your site. Like you're feeling sympathy for Otto for the first time. And I'm kind of curious what you mean. Is it because you feel like the cards are stacked so heavily against him? Cause you know, I don't know that we really reveal anything about the character that makes me feel more sympathetic for him in this issue, more than I have in the past. But, you know, at the back of my mind, I always have that thought that this is the guy that murdered Peter Parker. Like, I can only be so sympathetic with him. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess what it is is I do think that Otto has legitimately and sincerely tried to be a hero um, his own twisted version of a hero. But, I mean, I think he has, whether he will admit it or not, embraced the idea of being Spider-Man and trying to carry on uh, the Spider-Man legacy. Um, so I feel like, you know, where the sympathy is coming from is, is you know, try as he might, he's failing now. And, yes, he's failing because of his own oversight, his own hubris, his own ego. You know, pride cometh before the fall. But, you know, the fact of the matter is maybe, maybe I'm having, like, secondary sympathy because what you know the person whose life this is really going to shatter in the long run is going to be peter is when he returns um you know just before just because of the fact that the goblins seem to all be going after peter parker which we'll get to in a second because i have some serious issues with how that's being portrayed um but that's i, I think where the origins of the sympathy are it's just this idea that you know as much as a knucklehead as Otto is, and yeah, he's a murderer, but you know, I do think he he's been trying to redeem himself, and that just doesn't seem like it's going to happen for him now, unless there's kind of an eleventh hour hail mary pass put in the cliche of your choice about something happening at the last second. Yeah, um, and and I I see what you're saying there. Um, I, I like this issue because uh, we see Otto, you know, finally being underprepared for something. You know, the the series started off with him just outsmarting everybody because he could over-prepare for situations and catch them off guard by being the smarter, prepared guy and um, the superior Spider-Man. And here, I think we finally get his first moments of, like, hesitancy when he's faced with uh, how he's going to, uh, you know, approach a threat. Um, I think we saw a little bit of this back in the 2099 arc where he couldn't enter the numbers and figure out the equation. But here, you know, he's asked by, you know, his Spider-Minions to make a decision about how to address the attack on Spider Island 2. Um, I can't believe I'm saying that. And uh, <laughs> and he his hesitancy, like, you know, causes the death of, I guess, his favorite minion, which I didn't get that joke. I, I've, I've since read it was a, a reference to the Venture Brothers, but I don't watch that show, so I don't know. Oh, I'm, I mean, I didn't get the reference. I mean, I just chuckled because it was like, oh, you know, None of these guys are are distinguished from each other, but he was my favorite. Ha ha! That, <laughs> yeah, that, that was how yeah. I read the joke. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think there was anything actually specific about number twenty three that would have made him his favorite, except maybe he wore like blue socks instead of red. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, What I found interesting though about this issue is that um, we see that so many people are willing to kind of like sacrifice themselves for. Like, you know, Peter Parker or Spider-Man, 
because of the like kind of perceived like safety they they you know Spider-Man provides or you know like the care that Peter Parker like once sh- showed and those are the people that like step up you know um but um you know Otto quickly leaves these people to die you know he like beats a hasty retreat or orders them to stay behind and you see kind of how much of a failure he has been you know uh in, in those moments i think yeah i mean and just kind of as a you know one more quick aside on this i mean i i did find it interesting that um you know when when things were falling apart on spider island 2 that that otto's impulse was to was to flee it wasn't to you know peter you know you talk about comparing and you know this is this is moving further away from my whole thing of sympathy so maybe i was just you know under the influence of trying to rush and get a review together when i wrote those superior 28 thoughts but you know peter peter didn't Peter would not run away from the fight. I mean, you know, like it's it's it, it is interesting to me that you know he jumps in a boat and gets the hell out get the hell out of town when when all things are are, are breaking apart. You know, that's a that's a villain move. That's not a hero move. Yeah, and one actually employed by um, Otto. You know, back in our favorite Otto storyline of the Master Planner, like he doesn't stay to fight or like captain his ship as it's sinking. He jumps down a tube and blasts out of there. As fast as he can when he realizes that Spider-Man has the upper hand. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, so what was I saying about sympathy, Dan? I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, something I do want to address, and, you know, this was another thing that came forth from my my review. And, you know, it was definitely a bit of a misread on my part, but it doesn't mean I still don't have issues with it. It was this whole idea of um, the goblins going after the Parkers. Or I shouldn't say the Parkers, but Peter's family and friends and Anna Maria at the end, because, um, you know, my initial read of it was, um, so wait, did, did the goblin find out that under the mask, it's Peter Parker? Did he find out that, did Carly tell him? And we just never saw this scene. And, and Dan, I think I even texted you, uh, did, did this happen? And you're like, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> so, so I, I kind of leap to the conclusion that you know I, I got I got suckered. Like apparently, you know, Otto may have been suckered uh, when you know he sees Carly as part of the Goblin crew, and he's like, oh, she knows. The Goblins must know. And and that's not really what the text says. I mean, I think this is probably some more game playing from from Dan Slot. With that said, I, I just don't know if this is a game worth playing because. Um, um, you know, I know that in that annual that counted, that Superior Spider-Man annual that, you know, Slot and everyone else was very insistent was going to play into play a role in this storyline. You know, we had the 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 villain du jour who I now forget his name. Blackout, uh, right? Blackout. Thank you. Uh, you know, going after Peter as a, you know, because of that connection that, oh, he does the tech for Spider-Man. And and, you know, at the end, it's, you know, the green the goblins are talking amongst each other and they're saying like, Oh, well, you know, this, this new Spider-Man, he's really over the edge and, you know, maybe we should, you know, leave Peter alone. And green goblins just like, Oh, we can't do that. It's in, it's, it's tradition to, to screw with the screw with Peter. And, and, you know, we saw a new ways to die that Norman, um, as the green goblin liked to kind of mess with Peter uh, as a way to get to Spider-Man, um, not knowing obviously that one was connected, that one was the other, just that they were connected to each other. But you know, Norman was kind of like above going to such 
deep levels to to mess with Peter's life, you know, like it, Peter was Peter was gum on his shoe, you know what I mean? Like like you know, like when when he finds Peter's camera at the at the you know scene of uh you know the with the with, with at the scene of a Spider-Man fight, you know, his his instinct is that oh, Peter is just some some lunkhead that you know Spider-Man is paying to take pictures of him, you know? Like it's not even he he, he doesn't even intend to go to that place. So the fact that um the goblins just to get at Spider-Man are, are going so deeply after Peter. I mean, is, is, is his relationship with Anna Maria like that public that, <laughs> you know, that, that they would know to go after her, you know what I mean? Like, 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 you know, if the goblin is indeed Norman or an Osborne of some sort, why would they care that much about who Peter Parker is dating? I, it just, it, it, it's just, it's not working for me. This, 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 this subplot doesn't resonate. And it just seems like it's one of those, um, narratives that's being introduced because, you know, they, we need, we need Otto to panic to another layer and probably end up outing himself to the goblin. Yeah. I, I don't quite get it either. I mean, I guess you could go back to, um, you know, ASM 121 and say, you know, why did he target Gwen particularly? Like, was he that in the know about Peter's love life? But still, it's, it's it, I agree with you. It's incredibly odd. Like, and I think I would have bought it, you know, um, if it was the normal, you know, crew that was being rounded up, you know. But, you know, based on whatever perceived history is remaining from before Brand New Day. Um, you know, yeah. And I don't know, but like. Anna Maria is the wild card that makes it seem incredibly odd, you know, like, yeah. And just, and just to, you know, kind of debate you a little bit about the ASM one twenty one thing. I mean, you know, at least like, you know, Gwen, Gwen was part of that social circle, social circle. I mean, they, they, they were all seen together at various points. She would visit Harry when he was in the hospital from his drug uh, overdoses and stuff like that. Like, I mean, like she was, you know, Norman slept with Gwen, uh, <laughs> or not? <laughs> right, it, um, it never happened according to our last show. Exactly, but you know what I mean. Like the, the, these characters interacted. I mean, like there, 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 there was reason where, like, okay, yeah, maybe he really didn't care that much about Spider-Man's love life, but like he, there was, there was enough establish interaction within those character amongst those characters to, to, to verify that. Yeah. You know, he, he, that's, that's one way he can strike at Spider-Man. Whereas this just seems, I don't know. I mean, like, okay. They, they went after MJ way back, way, way back. Um, so I guess, you know, she's established, but like it just to the layers that, 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 that they ended up going, it just seems like a stretch. Well, going back uh, to our discussion about new ways to die, you know, this is, a, it, it seems still like a, it's more of a juggling game of how do we get the goblin to like, know but not know, you know, right. like how much can we dodge him ever finding? Like, are, are you, are you leading me to believe that the guy couldn't put two and two together? You know, uh, that, this person he's targeting, Peter Parker, is not also Spider-Man. It's just, it's just so odd. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 that old story over character thing, Dan. I mean, you know, we we talked about it a bunch since we've started this program. You know, I I think I get more worked up about it than than you do sometimes. I mean, it's it's you know, there. I feel that they're clearly clearly trying to set something up where. Otto is so panic stricken because he thinks the Green Goblin knows his identity that he's going to end up 
outing his own identity somehow, you know, like, like that, like, you know, he's that scattered. He's that, he's that unprepared and in over his head that, that he's going to blow up for himself. Well, they want to, they want to make a big moment out of like Peter pulling his mask off or whatever and having there be a new reveal of his identity, uh, you know, much like in issue 39, which we'll be discussing, uh, soon, you know, this is the new one opportunity to do a goblin reveal. Right, right. So, you know, like I said, I, I, I will I will be the first to admit I got – I think I took things a little too far on in the write-up on this on my site in terms of how I characterized what, what happened in my interpretation of it. it I, I clearly was leaping to some conclusions. With that said, my ultimate opinion of the whole thing still stands, which is like, you know, like – I just don't know if I need this storyline right now. Like, I mean, there's there's enough going on without, you know, this added layer of, oh, Otto thinks he knows, but he doesn't know. But does he know? You know, <laughs> like it's just yeah. like, you know, too many, too many, too too much misdirection. Like you, you, it can be it can become a bad thing if there's too much misdirection, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about um you know, what we're talking about, the goblin and his knowledge and stuff. And I talk about our knowledge of him, you know, back to our speculation about who he is. We don't really get this much in this issue, but there is one line that I thought was worthy of discussing. And mm-hmm. it's where the goblin arrives on Spider Island 2's ruins. And he says, an empire in ruins happened to me once. Like, who could it be other than Norman at this point? Yeah, I mean, they're just setting it up more and more. And, 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 you know, maybe this is just another example of, you know, we had all this misdirection for naught, which I mean, like, you know, at this point, if it does end up being Norman, I mean, are we are we happy about this or do we feel validated or is it just kind of like, so what was the point of this exercise? You know what I mean? Like, I, it, there still seems to be something to the fact that we still haven't seen what's under the mask. I'm still willing to wager that it's Norman, but with caveats. Which seems to kind of be what everything is in the Spider-Man universe right now. There's a caveat and condition for everything. Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny. We'll, it's funny you which ask we'll get that. to. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny you ask that because you know I, I talk to a, like a guy who owns a comic shop near me, and who I talk to about Spider-Man usually every week or so, and um, he had no clue that there was even meant to be mis- a misunderstanding that it wasn't Norman, like. He's like, yeah, of course it's Norman. What do you mean? There's a mystery about the goblin, you know. And I've I've met several people like this. So, I mean, how much have we been reading Dan Slott's Twitter too much? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, although I mean, they did give us some some inklings of you know, we we had the the scene of him getting dressed in front of the um, you know, like the whatever it was, the wall. It's like obscuring his face. Yeah, um, sure. Which was kind of a callback to. You know the original Goblin mystery from the Dick Lee era, and, and you know, and then it's there's definitely still- there. There's been a few scenes that call it into question, absolutely. But you know, how much of it is just trolling the internet, possibly? No, oh, I know, I know. And in that case, it's like, I mean, you know, I, 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 whatever, whatever ends up happening, you know, if this if this ended up if this ends up being a trolling the internet, I mean, I hope slot is happy with himself i guess i don't know i mean like like i i i just like okay so you did that <laughs> let's move on well um, i just thought it was worth mentioning uh, no absolutely a, a nice, and that's a good nice touch and that's a good catch and of course i mean we'll get to this in in, in when we get to the uh 
news and speculation section. I mean, there's there's something on the cover for the very next issue that really seems to confirm all of our suspicions. But let's 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 save that little tasty tidbit and talk about some other characters here. Um, MJ, I think you and I have a little bit of a disagreement on MJ here. Yeah, sure. So uh, uh, in this scene, we have um, MJ and her boyfriend Pedro, who goes by a different name. Um, weirdly yeah. enough, Ol- Oliver or Ollie, Ollie, Ollie. yeah, name. and uh, they get attacked by goblin children. Which to me, I still don't know that I figured out these goblin kids because they're legitimately little kids or kind of like babies in costumes. And I'm right. not sure exactly how they're putting up a fight unless they've been like dosed with the goblin serum or something like that. But that didn't, I, I don't think that's the case here. Like, how are these kids like so powerful? Um, I mean, what made them compelling originally was that, you know, uh, Otto didn't want to hit them because they were children. But now they're, like, meant to be this fearsome force. I, I, I don't know about that. But anyway, they're watching TV, and these guys come through the window, and MJ fights them off using her um, gifted, uh, you know, web shooters. Um, and I, I like this moment. I, I know that you're not a big fan. Is that true? Well, here's my thing. It's it's I, I feel like we – we get one of two extremes with MJ and you know, we, we, we have, we have damsel in distress MJ, which I think we're both in agreement is kind of, uh, you know, like lame. Sure. Um, but you know, like I, I, I never perceived her to be like a bona fide like action hero too. There was something about her responding as aggressively as she did with the web shooters that just kind of struck me as, as reckless and dangerous. And, and, I don't know, like, that's that's not MJ, the way I knew her, kind of, you know, like, MJ was, you know, she used she used her, her intelligence and she used her sex appeal sometimes to get out of a situation, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. if she was, if her, if her back was against the wall. I mean, like, think back to that sensational Spider-Man annual that I, that I recently wrote about for Valentine's Day about, you know, the, 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 um, you know, the, the kind of the last days of the Peter MJ marriage and, you know, her back's against the wall with those shield agents. And she's just, you know, kind of just using her natural charms to just kind of talk and talk and talk and wait until Spider-Man shows up. So, you know, to save the day kind of a thing. And, and with this, it's like, I don't know, like, I just, can we get something in the middle here? Can we get, can we get MJ? That's like, Smart and sassy and and able to worm her way out of a situation, but not necessarily resorting to, you know, acting like a borderline superhero when she's not. Yeah, that's just my thing. Yeah, and I I, I see what you're saying. And I think, you know, I kind of agree with you, but I don't think that it's from like a writing uh, point of view. There's a problem here. Um, I think maybe it's like Common Coley's depiction of it where she gets her big superhero splash page moment. Um, and that might be like maybe a little overblown, um, cause she gets the big pinup, like freezing in the air kind of thing. But I like the idea, you know, she had her superhero moment during spider Island, you know, and got a chance to, you know, really be a powerful figure. And, and she, you know, almost tried to keep the powers weirdly enough. Um, and I, I like that MJ had a moment of power and she had this lingering, like uh, leftover web shooters in her closet that she ran out and got like that seems resourceful and smart to me. It's not her like bouncing off the walls and like punching people, 
But from a distance, she like just blasted the guys to the wall. I thought that was a a fine moment for her. But maybe it's the artwork that didn't that like didn't sell it for you, right? Yeah, that could be. That could be. Um, and and we can talk more about the artwork in a second too. Just a few more character people here. Um, I actually, on the flip side, did like Carly's arc in this story. I I, I kind of like this idea of. Her fighting back against the serum and not totally giving into it yet. What do you think? I know some people thought that was a bit of a little, little bit of a cop out. What about you? Well, I'm not so sure about the idea. I like the idea that like the goblin serum could possibly be like cured because then it opens the opportunity to cure all the goblins. And I don't really know that I like that. Maybe she's like so young that like at it that it could still be reversed. Uh, I I don't know. But um, what I do like, I think she makes a great goblin um, the more I think about it and the way that she's written here because she's kind of um, in in a way got a similar relationship to Peter that Norman did back when they were originally, originally battling in that both of them know who the other one is under the mask and have a, a personal relationship to each other and know each other's secrets, you know? Mm. And I kind of like that. Like, if she were to become like a goblinish villain, you know, I think there's potential for that character. Um, but I do, I do like that they've given Carly a bit more ground to stand on in terms of her like moral morality and and um, you know, she is murdering people left and right throughout this book. Um, you know, which makes it a bit murky. And I don't know that I could accept this character having done all that back into like that casually back into like Peter's everyday life <laughs> mm, without yeah. maybe like intense therapy. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I like, I like this character. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm interested to see where they go with her. I could see it being massively mishandled, but I think there is great potential in uh, a goblin with this kind of relationship to Peter. Yeah, no, no question. Um, so we have some Jonah in this issue. Yeah, um, we you get, seem to be a fan of some of his his new Spider Slayer design. Yeah, I do. I mean, they seem like classic Spider Slayers, and they've got the little bobble on the front for Jonah's face to be shown because you know <laughs> Jonah having his face on Spider Slayers is kind of classic Spider Man and classic Jonah, I guess. You know, he's he's got to murder things with his own eyes, and it's also very, you know promoting his own ego, I guess. Right, right. Um, do you do you? Do you think that – I mean this is obviously going to go horribly wrong for Jonah. How horribly wrong do you think he can go this time around? OK. Well, you know, uh, several months ago we had Dan Slott saying that no, nothing was sacred in the book. Right. And that like he would kill off like – I don't know if he claimed that he would in fact be killing off a Silver Age character, um, like an original character. Did he say for sure he was doing that? No, he didn't say for sure. He just said that don't think just because they're a Dicko, Stan Lee, or Ramita creation that they're safe. Yeah, so if I had to put my money on someone to die if he's going to do it, my money is on Jonah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and yet we have the death of the living brain in this issue. So maybe that's – we're done. You know, it's like oh, <laughs> rest in peace, of that. Rest you know? in peace, living brain. You know, it's kind of like when when you read the Harry Potter books, and it's just like, oh well, you know, they killed Dobby. That's got to be the one main character that dies in that last book, right? Yeah. Oh, spoiler alert! Sorry. 
is once the living brain dies, is he no longer the living brain? He's just like, brain. He's brain, or or he's the dead brain. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the living is such a big part. Living is his first name. Yes, yes. Living is everything. Rest, uh, rest in peace, living brain. You didn't even get a full panel death. Yes, yes. Um, and then I, I, I guess the the you know last thing in terms of story and character that we should probably hit upon is are the Peter mind you know mindscape scenes as Doc Ock. I mean, you know, I kind of groaned a little bit when this was introduced uh, last issue. I'm still not sold on this idea, but I mean it. I, I am getting the sense that this is more or less just a setup of, you know, Peter walking a mile in auto shoes and coming to some kind of understanding or something, right? Yeah, that's my imagination. Although there is this whole, like, Peter losing himself as Doc Ock. I'm not sure what to make of that. Like, the conclusion of this issue is that he is now Dr. Octopus. Um, I'm not sure what that means. Um, but I... Uh, and, and these, this part of the story was interesting, but I, to me, it kind of broke up the flow of of the action a bit too much. Yeah. Um, especially because it was there twice. I think maybe one time would have been enough for me right. to convey all the information on one double page spread because the action above ground is so harried. You know, you really want to read that as fast as you can, and then you get these kind of uh, breakdown pages. That being said, the pages are beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I especially love the one that kind of redoes the origin of Doc Ock from ASM3. I mean, I just love the living bejesus, the living brain out of that out of that visual, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I mean, again, Common Coley seems to excel at, at these moments and at costume moments. Still not getting the people moments, though, right? Yeah, I think his Peter is a bit better in this one. It's less bulky. Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of slimmed down in, in his moments here, the few moments we get with him. Um, and, you know, I like him jump kicking Carly in the face. Yes. Um, that was a nice panel there. Um, yeah, I, no, th- those were nice. I mean, but it's just like I still feel like his people, they're lacking a certain kind of expressiveness. I mean, you know, we we go back to the um, the, the Marcos Martin um uh, mindscape stuff from Superior 26 and there's just so much emotion it's and a expression. Lot of yeah, was pouring off of those pages even though it's just basically a, in some cases Peter's eyes. You know what I mean? That's all you're seeing and, and, and it's conveying so much and and I just don't get that from Common Coley. There's there's yeah. still kind of a, a staticness, coldness to it um, when it comes to his people outside of costume. When I was reading this book, I thought to myself, like, Common Coley would make a great, like, Batman artist. Like, mm. it's very cold, very rigid, broad individuals, dark, you know, like, good costumed. And I, I mean, like, his his um, goblin looks a lot like the Joker in this in this issue. Yes. Um, I would love to see what he would do with that. But um, one thing I did appreciate, though, in these, like, flashback scenes is how loose he got with the page layouts. It reminded me kind of actually of, um, you know, Marco Rudy and uh, Val Staples' work on Mar- uh, Marvel Knight Spider-Man mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. A, in a good way. Like we got the kind of spider and octopus intermingling stuff that I thought was really beautiful. And it was nice to see him kind of loosen up a little bit in this issue because um, I think his stuff comes across as pretty rigid sometimes. And I thought I thought these pages, despite you know, kind of breaking up the flow of the action, were really beautifully handled from a layout point. Of- 
Yeah, no, no question. Hey, so Dan, you want to do some grades on this? Yeah, let's do it. Mark, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to give it a B minus. I, I, I probably am coming across a little more negative than I actually am, but but um, it, I, it, I definitely felt it was a step down from the last two issues of, of Goblin Nation-ish. Yeah, and I think it's uh, – I'm right there with you, the B minus. I like all the action and all the things that are happening. There's some kind of murkiness of the story, but I mean – Outside of like our one major complaint, I thought everything else was just fine, and um, it's slightly better than average comics, so B minus. There you go. All right, so why don't we get to some comments and emails? Great. So as always, uh, with uh, Superior Spider Talk, you can you can get your comments and emails read on the air one of two ways. You can leave us a comment on our iTunes page, uh, along with a rating, please. And in terms of emailing, you can email us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com, and we will read your email and answer your questions if you have one, or just read your comments um, and, and ditto with the iTunes. So uh, why don't we go first to um, a couple of comments on iTunes. Uh, this one is titled Best Place for Spider-Man That's Not New York uh, by uh, An- Anu, An- A- A-H-N-O-U. He, uh, they gave us five out of five stars. Love the breakdown of issues and how they relate to issues from the past. I hopped on ASM late and at times lost when references are recalled in the recent issues. And I appreciate you guys trying to tie the past to present. I wish more people would do a podcast like this for some of my other favorite characters. Keep up the great work, guys. Okay, great. Thanks, Anu. Uh, Our next one comes from E.W. Midor, um, and uh, the title is Best Spider-Man Podcast Out There, and they give us five out of five. And it says, uh, I had been searching for a long time for a great Spider-Man podcast, and here it is. They keep the show on track with helpful insights, news, and reviews on the wall crawler, all while keeping it conversational and humorous. When it's downloaded, it's at the top of the listen pile. Thanks for making the show, guys. And, hey, you're welcome. We have a great time doing it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for those two comments. Uh, Let's get to the first of our emails. Uh, This one starts off, hey, guys, I've been thinking about the reboot for Amazing Spider-Man and had a few thoughts. It looks like Peter is only going to have 31 of his memories left. So do you guys think he will have, A, only 31 original memories and nothing more, B, only 31 original memories plus all of Otto's memories, or C, his original 31 memories plus Dr. Octopus still inside his brain, giving him advice and interacting with him? There's no D for 31 flavors, Dan, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, the email continues. It is choice C. It would uh, mirror the beginning of Superior Spider-Man and be an interesting juxtaposition. I have not seen a lot of setup for how they're going to get Otto out of Peter's mind, so that may be the situation at least for a little while. I still love the show. Keep up the good work, and that's from our good friend Rylan Bojack. Um, well, I guess to answer the question, you know, I actually was thinking about this very recently with with some of these rumors that we'll get to in a little bit that indicate that Otto might still be lingering around in, in Peter's mind when this is all done, um, that it wouldn't wouldn't it be a pip if 
Amazing Spider-Man number one ends with like, you know, Ghost Otto being like, I don't know how or when, but I'm going to get my body back. You know, like <laughs> um, it, it, I could see that happening hypothetically. We have a, we have a, an all new Superior Spider-Man where, like 31 issues later. Yeah, <laughs> it just keeps bouncing back and forth forever. Back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Um, I don't know, Mark. I mean, what do you think? Is that going to be? The, I mean, we'll talk about this a bit more when we get to our news. But if you had to put you know a guess on it, what, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be his thirty-one plus Otto lurking around somewhere. I don't know how I feel about that, but I think that's what it's probably going to be. Yeah, and I'm there with you based on this rumor that we got. Um, although I, I would want it to be the 31 original memories plus Otto's memories. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So let's cover that later. We'll come back, Ryland. Um, keep listening, and you'll hear us talk about this some more. Um, our next email comes uh, to us from Adam Chapman, and he says, Thanks for putting together such a fantastic show twice a month. It's always a pleasure to listen to. It's interesting to hear you guys dissect Superior Spider-Man in such an intelligent manner. Now that Electro is to be featured in the film Amazing Spider-Man 2, as well as in in issue number two of Amazing Spider-Man, I thought I'd ask you about your favorite Electro stories. Surprisingly, he hasn't actually been in that many comics compared to some of his fellow Lee Ditko creations. Um, Adam says his personal favorites, Amazing Spider-Man 422 through 423 and 424 by Tom DeFalco. Um, That's the legendary Tom DeFalco to you. Oh, I'm sorry. I I made a mistake there. Um, And uh, (laughs) and he liked his appearance during the Return of the Sin Eater storyline as well as the Light the Night from Spider-Man number 38 to 40. Um, Yeah, those are all good stories. Um, But uh, Mark, what about you? What's your favorite Electro story? You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I, too, was recently looking at, you know, trying to figure out some Electro stories that I'd like to write about on the blog um, come May when the, when it's during the movie month. And I was like, you know, looking through the early issues and I'm like, OK, he's, he's got his first appearance in issue nine. And then he, he really doesn't show up again as a solo villain until like, oh, my goodness, like almost 80 issues later yeah. <laughs> and everything else in between is is, is Sinister Six and, and group stuff. I mean, I guess as a straight-up Spider-Man vs. Electro story, I actually, I think probably one of his more recent ones, that Mark Wade, um, I think it was a three-parter in the 600s somewhere, where he's kind of like, you know, re- redoes Electro as, as almost like an Occupy Wall Street sympathizer. I just thought it was a nice, interesting take on the character. It kind of plays into the to, into Max Dillon's blue-collar, you know, working-on-the-line kind of roots. Um, and, and I just, I, I'm a huge fan of Mark Wade pretty much doing anything. So I thought it was, a, it was a nice little reinvention there. Yeah. I really enjoyed the gauntlet stories for how they kind of like gave those villains a bit more depth. And that was one I really appreciated. Um, so, um, for me, you know, I hate to say this because it sounds kind of cliche, but my favorite electro story is just the first one he was ever in. I mean, he doesn't get a really great backstory or anything like that, and he kind of his paint is not very interesting. But it was the first uh, Dicko that I ever read, like uh, Dicko Stan Lee story that I ever read, and uh, and I really in- enjoyed the uh, whole idea that uh, Jonah would would uh, mix up Electro and Spider Man and pin the whole thing on Spider Man. I like that interpretation of it, and also like just Spider Man making the gloves and everything to defeat Electro. That stuff was a lot of fun. Um, 
you know, as a kid. And so it's kind of just stuck with me as a favorite electro story. No, it's a classic. You can't deny it. And I, and I actually, I, I've, I've said this when we talked about ASM number nine as our, I think it was our, was it our very first uh, podcast, Dan, that we talked about this issue? I think um, so, yeah. Um, I, I, I have... I kind of like the backstory. I, th- I like the simplicity of it. That's what, that's always how I kind of boil it down. I feel it's a very straightforward, hey, you know, he's a dude, he's got these electric powers, and so now he's going to go rob some banks and be a jerk, you know? And it's like, oh, okay, cool. I you like know? how his electric powers were utilized in that story, too. I know we talked about this, but, like, to, like, open, you know, uh, like, safes and, and all their electric-related things, I don't know that we've necessarily seen much of that since. Um, so... Yeah. Yeah. So that was a good question. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll, I wonder if we'll get someone asking us about rhino stories coming up, Dan. Right? I know my answer to that. I know my yeah. answer to that. Right. I think everybody I think it's going to be everybody's answer, but <laughs> I think it's the only great rhino story. But, you know, maybe, and maybe it's a you're... great story, but uh, yeah. we'll get to that later. So somebody write in and ask us to talk about rhino. Yeah, there we go. Or maybe we'll just. We'll just do it as our look back. Yeah. Um, so why don't we get to some news and rumors? Awesome. With your feet in the air and your head on the ground. Try this trick. Spin it. Nothing in to ask yourself, where is my mind? Where is my mind? Where is my Okay, Dan, well, probably our first big piece of news is that we learned that come May, we're going to have a brand new Spider-Man series slash miniseries. Uh, it's going to be from Dan Slott and Ramon Perez. Uh, it's gonna, it's Amazing Spider-Man Learning to Crawl. I guess they're going to number these almost like point one issues after the very first issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Um, and th- it's not a retelling, but this is this is a series that's apparently going to fill in the gaps um, between uh, Amazing Fantasy 15, ASM 1, and ASM 2. And, you know, the originals from 1962 and 63. And uh, we're going to be in- introduced to uh, another uh, character with spider powers, apparently, Dan. So uh, this should be pretty interesting, right? Yeah. Um, or, or at least a, a character that uh, is y- a young villain for Peter to fight. And so that's that's going to be interesting. There's been some rumors that it might be Miles Morales, um, you know, and that's why he was so shocked at the end of Spider-Man. Um, but I, that's not, I don't speculate that that's going to be what it is. Um, uh, but it, what's interesting is it literally starts, this series starts the minute that, um, Amazing Spot or Amazing Fantasy 15 ends. You know, you get that shot of Peter walking away, you know, then the, the this one's going to start with him walking towards us. And yes. to me, that sounds really exciting. Um, yeah, and the Perez art definitely is very Dicko esque. I mean, they're definitely going for a Silver Age vibe um, in terms of the uh, aesthetic and storytelling ex- expected. It's probably going to be more like Kurt Busiek's Untold Tales of Spider Man rather than John Byrne's kind of murderous re- reimagining of the origin that we had in Chapter One <laughs> back in the. <laughs> I guess it was the early two thousands when that ha- when that came out, right? Yeah. <laughs> One of, um, one of the bigger shakeups from this whole thing is that um, we won't be getting Amazing Spider-Man 
um, like, you know, formally twice a month. We're going to get one normal Amazing Spider-Man book and one of these each month. Um, and then when this story ends, it will, um, like, dovetail into, um, I guess, Amazing Spider-Man number four, which will be uh, dealing with the fact that this is now canon part of Spider-Man history. So, Dan, it looks like Dan Slott's going to get to do, like... Some rewriting of history and then also bring it back into the modern Spider-Man stories. Um, so I guess we're going to get two stories a month, but not the same way that we're used to. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't think that once this mini ends that we're not going to have another Spider-Book of some sort. Um, and, and, and I bet they'll probably try. I mean... When you look at Dan Slott on Twitter, he 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 clearly is not he's he's not like a Bendis or a Jonathan Hickman who seems like they, they can write like eight titles a month, which I don't know how those kind of people do that. Um, so you know the fact that Slott's got Spider Man, he's got Silver Surfer relaunching. I mean, there's a part of me that wonders if you know they're just going to kind of go in increments here, and then when this is over, gauge if he can do another kind of mini or maybe resume twice a month or maybe bring someone else in to do other storylines a la brand new day um but you know i think there's too much money probably to be made off of spider-man to to go to just a one one book a month thing right yeah well it's weird because we're we're, we know that the end of um of superior spider-man team-ups is coming soon because you know superior spider-man is ending and um you know an interview recently with uh kevin shinnick he said like that he you know, wants to keep writing that book, and they will have to like wrestle it away from him, and that it will be coming back, maybe under a different name. So like we don't know what that is yet. You know, are we getting Avenging Spider-Man Volume Two? I, I I don't even know, but it seems like that might be coming back. So, but most of these books are getting canceled, and I can't imagine them going from like all these profitable, successful books down to just one. That seems very odd to me. So. Yeah, so I mean, we'll 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 see where it goes. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one would think that you know, on the heels of a major motion picture coming out with Spider-Man, that the the goal would be to capitalize on a, as much casual walk-up interest as you can get, not to limit it. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, there's still that mysterious Spider-Man 29 series that. Uh, um, you know, we haven't seen it yet, and you know, we thought we thought maybe Wacker was was semi announcing it in the letters page in in Superior Twenty Seven, and that was all for naught. But you know, that there still seems to be substantial rumors that that book is going to happen at some point. Yeah, he did say later this year, so you know, he could still be telling the truth um, in a like joking lie like fashion. I right. don't know. I also wouldn't put it past Wacker to get one final joke out there before leaving. So. Yeah, but it seems like too much. Too I mean, unless something happens to to Miguel and Superior before this is all over, it just seems like too easy of a slam dunk to to not get him involved somehow. So absolutely. We'll, so we'll see what happens there. Um, and then, um, kind of speaking of semi spoilers and and new stories coming out. Um, you know, Marvel's big event uh, coming up, I think it starts in May, is this original sin, which is going to deal with the death of the Watcher. Um, and there's going to be a tie-in issue for um, Spider-Man. Um, and the solicitation was a little weird, right, Dan? What, what, what did it say about, about that, that kind of raised some eyebrows? Well, yeah, Mark, it's kind of weird because um, 
you know, they released a couple of like, you know, teaser covers for the original Sin issues. And um, the idea behind it is that the Watcher, you know, Uatu has has been killed. Not Uatu Jackson that we're all familiar with. No, no. Um, but the Watcher himself has been killed, shot with a gun or something. And um, his eyes are have been taken out of his head, which is very creepy. And uh, these all-seeing eyes... Um, the heroes of the Marvel Universe have one of them, and the other one is missing. And they use this eye to look into the past and see, you know, um, you know the, the kind of secrets that have been unrevealed from their past. And so Spider-Man is going to be finding out that someone else was bitten by the spider, um, you know, while, uh, while he was in that science lab. And who is that? And there's been speculation that it's Miles Morales. But... Um, I think the more interesting thing is that they showed this cover with um, – and I'll put it down here in the podcast window um, – of uh, looks like Peter in the Spider-Man costume holding one of the eyes. And um, the quote uh, about it is you know, questioning who killed the Watcher. And it says, quote-unquote, um, from Marvel.com, does Otto Octavius have enough of a hold on Spider-Man that he could have committed the deadly deed? Um, and, uh, that's got us thinking that, um, it looks like Dr. Otto Octavius might still be in Peter Parker's mind when he returns in Amazing Number One. Yeah. And, you know, this kind of plays off of Ryland's question from earlier about, you know, what's going to be the new status quo. And, uh, you know, I mean, hey. I, I, I'm always going to keep an open mind and, and give things a chance. But I mean, there's a, there's a part of me that's going to, that's feeling a little bit of exhaustion from this idea of the, the mind swapping games. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I was kind of hoping when, when superior ended that, that this would come to an end and, you know, not that that things would ever be easy for Peter, and you know, you know, I know that Dan Slott always kind of emphasizes this, uh, the fact that you know we we can't just go back to the beginning and have a meeting wheat cakes with Aunt May because that would be stupid, and I agree with that. But um, you know, I also f- worry that that this whole thing about who's in whose mind and who's controlling what that th- th- that this concept could get beaten into the ground fairly quickly. Um, if if he extends it beyond the end of Superior, I don't know. Am I just being pessimistic, Dan? No, I feel the same way. I I feel like we've gotten a lot out of this concept, and it's kind of time to move on. That being said, there's these new concepts that are teased all the time, and then we look at them and go, "How could that work?" And then we're pleasantly surprised. So I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. But I do think it's interesting that it does say in this quote, "Does Otto Octavius have enough of a hold on Spider-Man?" It doesn't say a hold on Peter Parker. Yeah, um, and so I I wonder if that you know. When this is taking place, or I mean, it shows the classic, you know, red and blue. So you know, I got to think that this is post Peter Parker's return, or what we're assuming is Peter Parker's return. I don't know. There's definitely something. They said there's a big twist to his return. Maybe this is it. But I do think it's interesting that it says Spider-Man rather than Peter Parker. So who yeah. knows? Who knows? <laughs> And just, I mean, just to kind of go further, I mean, there was something in the solicitation for Amazing Spider-Man num- issue number two in May that um, said, you know, after the return of you-know-who. So, I mean, you know, 
Who is you know who? Yeah, and it says, <laughs> remember, remember that thing that freaked you out last issue? More, there's more on that. And if Otto showed up in a blue ghost form, that would totally freak me out. Yeah, I, like I said, I mean, it, it it would definitely mirror what we had, you know, in January 2013, the first issue Superior. So I wouldn't put it past anybody. But you know who could be? Hey, you know who could be Gwen? You know who could be Ben Riley? You know who could be? I mean, you know, Uncle Ben. You know stop, what I mean? Stop before you give them ideas. Okay, sorry. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of people who could be, who or you know who, who could return that would, I think, freak out the masses. Yeah, and I've got a write-up on my site about all of this stuff. So if you want to uh, read more about this, you can check it out there. All right, excellent. And then I just, as a final piece of news, uh, you know, this is more uh, tickles our fancies here. Um, we saw that for Superior Spider-Man Team-Up uh, issues uh, 11 and 12, which look to be the final two issues of the series before it uh, is a, is um, bites the dust a la the end of Superior. Our good friend of the show, Ron Friends, is going to be on pencils, right? Yeah, I can't wait. You know, uh, Ron sent us a nice piece of art recently, which we'll be revealing pretty soon. That shows, man, this guy has gotten better with time. Um, I mean, I loved him before, but this new art is beautiful, and I can't wait to see what he does in the book. And Mark, we have kind of something special to announce. Do you do you want? Do you think we should reveal it now? Well, um, yeah, I think we could. I think we could say that. You know, obviously, we've had Ron on a couple of times, and and we we you know not to put the pressure on him, but we 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 floated this idea by him of. Of coming on the show uh, again to talk about these two issues, and he he definitely seems into it. And you know, I think provided that we can set something out, then we might have another uh, surprise related to that um, that would tie into a Ron Friends interview about Superior Spider-Man team up. And I think I'll leave it at that for now until more details materialize. How's that sound, Dan? Yeah, that sounds good. We'll we will uh, just put a pin in that and uh, get excited because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, um, there's one more thing I wanted to address, and this oh, is sure. kind of spoilery. Um, something that I noticed when looking at the very final page of this past issue, where they had the preview for the next issue. Do you know what it is I'm talking about here, Mark? Oh, I do, I do. Uh, who, who's who's the face of the Spider Slayer, Dan? Yeah, well, it looks like it's Norman Osborn. Um, when you know when this issue was originally solicited, number uh, twenty nine. We saw nothing in the head of the Spider Slayers, and it looks like they had erased something to conceal or to conserve the, a mystery longer, and that thing is no longer a mystery. It is the face of Norman Osborn in the Spider Slayers. Mark, does this confirm our theory about our good friend Mason Banks? Well, and there's Osborne hair in this photo too, I, I believe, right? Well, yes, it is the Tootsie Roll hair. So okay, so so my my desires are satiated. We have we have Osborne hair, and you know, I, I guess the thing is, um, you know, if Norman is indeed an Aspire Slayer, does that mean he's he's definitely the Green Goblin, or is there another person as the Green Goblin and Norman Osborne is back? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that that's definitely his face. Okay, well, well, let's let's move on and talk about a story from the past where we definitely see Norman Osborn's face. This is better than my imagination. This is more than a dream come true. Without the slightest bit of hesitation, I knew what I was meant to do. Ooh, 
All right, so we're talking about Amazing Spider-Man number 39, volume one, I'll put it there, so there's no mix-up. This is the reveal of the Green Goblin. Who is the Green Goblin? Mark, was it worth the wait? Um, you know, this is funny. I mean, and this is obviously a very historic issue. I mean, it's historic in, in large part because in addition to revealing the Green Goblin, it marks the very first uh, Stan Lee-John Romita Sr. collaboration. John Romita Sr., who would go on to be my favorite artist who ever worked on the title. Uh, yes, even better than Ditko. Um, and, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of disputed stories about why Ditko left the book and and you know there there are some I think even Ramita himself has said in interviews that oh you know Sam pulled me on the book because Ditko didn't want to re- reveal the Green Goblin as Norman Osborn and but then subsequent interviews have kind of disputed that that you know there was just creative differences between Ditko and Lee and that's why things kind of fell apart it, you know it's kind of like the breakup of the Beatles was it really Yoko Ono and and you know or was it just that these people were bound to break up uh, after a while you know um but I would say that you know obviously the you, revealing it as Norman Osborn in 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 historical perspective has was an amazing choice. It's, you know, Norman Osborn has gone on to be a, just a fascinating character, a fascinating, fascinatingly evil character. But <laughs> I got to imagine at the time you were probably like, wait, who? Right. I mean, this guy was only introduced a few issues earlier as kind of like, you know, Peter's friends, Harry's curmudgeonly father. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you, could, you couldn't have guessed who the goblin was because you had no idea of the existence of this character. I mean, it would probably be the equivalent of them revealing Mason Banks as the new Green Goblin, except Mason Banks isn't somebody in disguise. It's just Mason Banks. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, okay, cool, I guess. <laughs> this guy kind of looks like Norman, so I guess it's all right. <laughs> um, and, like, anybody who read this issue and didn't know that it was Norman, like, going into this issue, I think, like, the dude is the only agitated guy in the whole issue, like... He just looks evil throughout. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, but arguments aside, like, like I said, it obviously worked out. And I mean, to me, this issue and then it's, it's follow up Amazing Spider-Man number 40, which kind of gives the origin of the Green Goblin. I mean, I mean, this, this to me ranks up there as one of the greatest Spider-Man stories of all time. And, and, um, to me, this, these issues really sell the idea that the Green Goblin is kind of like the the true arch nemesis of Spider-Man because, um, you know, especially in the Silver Age, we went back and forth a lot between Green Goblin, Doc Ock, Green Goblin. You know, Doc Ock was there for the Master Planner arc. He he, you know, he led the Sinister Six. Uh, you know, he seems like the more, um, you know, kind of symmetrical villain to spider-man in terms of the eight arms and the 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 value of science but you know green goblin was introduced had this this air of mystery to him um which was really played out for a while and and then not only do we finally get this reveal but but he revealed he he unmasked spider-man for the first time and you know yes doc ock unmasked spider-man and amazing spider-man number 12 but doc ock being doc ock was like you know kind of like who's this punk kid he's not spider-man whereas you know the goblin got this information and then proceeded to use that information against spider-man and peter for the other duration of their relationship together so um even even in this issue he shows up at his aunt may's house 
and like terrorizes him in the front yard. Yeah, if it's not for a smoke bomb, uh, you know, Aunt May would have would have seen her nephew's secret, and it, you know, the heart attack would have killed her, as as we always learned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was always that heart attack that was going to kill her. Uh, We're <laughs> still never, waiting on it. Yeah, not not the pumpkin bombs or the <laughs> or anything <laughs> else. But yeah, I mean, like it's it it really elevates the goblin. It, it really makes him out to be like this is the numero uno. I mean, the fact that he had this information, um, yeah, he wasn't afraid to use that information. Um, yeah, I mean, say what you will about Norman's reveal, but the fact that there was a connection there, there was a personal connection that would then obviously go on to be explored. Uh, much better in in the years that followed um but but this is kind of where it all started this is like the ground zero of of the green goblin spider-man relationship going up to 11 so to speak yeah yeah well talking about ramita coming on this book i mean you can really see the change in art style like yeah he's trying to mimic dicko as much as he can but his peter parker is much more romantic and you can really see that he spent a lot of time on romance books leading into this yeah, I mean, I always laugh when you read a Romita interview because he talks about how, like, you know, he thought when he when he took on this issue that it would just be a one or two issue thing, and then Dicko would be back. So, so he didn't go like full. He didn't really develop his own style until you know maybe three four issues into ASM, and when he realized, oh, this is this is my book now. And you know, in our conversations with Jerry Conway uh, in episode thirty one, I mean, Romita played a big role in the plotting and and the development of these books too. So I mean, there was a lot of ownership there. Um, One of the things I like about this book is like Peter even acknowledges this is that it's a friendlier book than the Dicko era books. I mean, everybody kind of in this issue does a 180, you know, throughout the past several issues leading up to this. He had really, you know, he'd gone to college and kind of like demonized by the people there for being, you know, kind of aloof. And here everybody kind of slowly begins to change their opinions about him when they realize that there's more going on or that. You know, he and Harry can relate to being, you know, having, you know, a distant father and no father figure, you know, um, and, they, you know, everybody's a lot friendlier. Even Peter acknowledges he acknowledges it. He's like, wow, everybody's being a lot friendlier to me. My luck is turning around. Even Jonah paid me half of what he should normally pay anybody. You know, like yeah. everything is getting better for him. And I think that was very much due to the team up with Ramita here. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I know that. In the final year of the Ditko run, we had the Master Planner arc, which is a phenomenal story. But, like, you know, like, I, I, I kind of felt that Ditko was just getting, you know, I mean, he was basically solely plotting the books. I mean, you know, the stories were always that, you know, he would turn in pages for Stan's script without even having talked about a single sequence with him. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, and, and, and I think that started a show. I mean, like, there was no, there really was no collaboration um, towards the end there. And I think, I think the book kind of got a little too hardened. I mean, you know, Dicko kind of had his philosophies on things and that, that started to kind of eke out into the pages. And, and, you know, it was just nice to see like Romita kind of return this to the more, you know, we say romantic to refer to sometimes the actual, you know, love romance but i also feel like there was kind of a romanticism of the superhero genre under romita that that cannot be denied and that's like you know the major reason why i love his art so much i mean it, it just really like you know makes these characters larger than life you know and 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 you know both realistic but 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 
fantastic and and kind of beyond our imaginations and and it's you know keep you know what i'm trying to say right dan yeah yeah i agree with you i mean i although i do think there was something lost from the book um you know with dicko's departure you know it kind of feels a little regressive um the, the the short run with you know not short run the long run with Romita in that we get this romanticized superhero I think that was one of the appeal of Spider Man was that he you know could be kind of dirtier and grittier than some of the other characters out there but I think that they balanced it just right that you got a little bit of that but also you know um, that kind of grand sweeping opera that people like tuned in for and uh, kind of nostalgically uh, like you know like looked up to. Yeah, I mean, people talk all the time about Spider-Man's relatability, including myself. And, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of things and say that, you know, I prefer this, like, you know, you know, I don't want Spider-Man to become Superman. But, I mean, at the same token, you know, to kind of have that 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 aesthetic put into it, um, it, it just changes the, the entire dynamic of the series. Um, uh, you know, you, you could also, not to get, get too far away from the reservation of issue 39, but, you know, you didn't have as many of the great character creations with Romita that you had under Dicko. I mean, Dicko, it was like every issue, you know, ended up being one of the more memorable characters in the rogues gallery. Uh, whereas Romita, you had Rhino, uh, Kingpin, um, Shocker. And that's kind of like, you know, the the best of it, I guess. Um, yeah, and even at the time, they weren't particularly that special. Yeah, well, you can make a case for Kingpin. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. And Rhino got two issues, so that was kind of interesting. Yeah, but but you know, but the point stands. And but man, thirty nine, like I, I I love this book. I love its follow up. Um, the, the the issue forty was actually one of the very first Silver Age books I picked up. Um, I, it's one of my favorite stories that I come back to on the blog a lot about um, me uh, being at a comic book show in, in when I was a. Uh, kid on long island and it was actually like one of those like hotel shows and they were closing up shop and i literally like i i, I pulled this book out of the bin the guy was asking for like 50 bucks for it and I, I i thought i had 40 in my wallet and i was like i'll just give you 40 and he's like you know he's like whatever i got the hell i got the hell out of here kid whatever so he takes so i go to reach in my money and i actually only had 38 dollars in my wallet and he was like just give me the money. <laughs> and like, I'm a terrible negotiator. So for me, this was like the victory of all victories that, you know, I, you know, use the, use the element of time to argue $12 down off a comic. But, um, <laughs> I cherish that one. And when I got 39, um, maybe like five or six years ago, I mean, that's one of my favorite covers of all time. That, that, that iconic image of the, of the goblin, on his glider with Peter all tied up, uh, you know, unmasked, struggling. I mean, it's just like such a striking image. Um, you know, Marvel would end up using it in a lot of its advertisements over the years. Yeah, it's um, really wonderful. Yeah, it's just it's just everything you love about a Spider-Man comic book cover. It's one of my best looking issues that I own. Um, it's it's in like I think it's like an like at least an eight out of ten. Oh, good um, for you. So it's really beautiful looking. Um, I'm really really proud of it. Um, so that, that it's one of the prizes of my collection. Good for you. No, I, I mean, mine is in lower grade, but I mean, the, 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 the heart of the image is, is looks great. I mean, it's just the edges are a little, little banged up. I mean, like I was, you know, always trying to find a copy of that one that was low grade, but not like horrendous looking. And, you know, the day finally came, I was scouring my comic shop and then like, they just posted it and like within like 
five minutes of it being posted, I grabbed it. <laughs> I was like, you will not escape me. Because <laughs> they, they had this one up there. It was like a very good for um, a while. And I remember just I would look at it and there was like some writing like right in the center. It was like right next to like the goblin's head. Like someone wrote. It wasn't even like a date stamp. It was just like some random writing. I think it said no sale on it or something like that. And I just was like, ah, oh, man. And everything else looked great. And I was like, oh, man, if that writing wasn't there, that book would be mine. That book would probably be a lot more if that writing wasn't there. Yeah, right. Uh. I'm hoping to find like an ASM 1 or Amazing Fantasy 15 with with, a, with writing on it. I would buy that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, you, you know, you get different standards for different books. But, I mean, that's such a favorite cover of mine. There's no way. I actually have a, a, a reprint of the cover hanging in my kitchen. So, you know, I, I look at the Goblin and Spider-Man. Every time I cook in the in in my apartment here, so yeah, Mark. Uh, well, I've got it tattooed on my back. Well, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm trying to tell a legitimately sincere story here, and you're being a smartass. So congratulations, <laughs> Dan. You ruined it for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it in your kitchen, so I can confirm. Yes, thank you. So but there you, you go. You haven't seen my back, so you there don't you know. go. No, I've not seen your back. I, I I I I don't I don't intend to see your back. So all right, all right. That's probably good. All right, so why don't we take us home, Dan? <laughs> all right, you can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes by searching for Superior Spider Talk. And if you do, please leave us a rating and comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. Uh, like we said earlier, if you guys have any opinions on these comics that we talked about today or any questions you want to ask us, please email them to us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read those on the air as well. Uh, yeah, and also be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superiorspidertalk uh, because – uh, it's a great place to keep up with Dan and I between shows. We'll both post uh, features that we've written uh, on our respective sites, and uh, we just like to interact with you guys, let you know what we're going to talk about uh, before a podcast is released, give you teasers, give you images. Um, so, yeah, Facebook.com slash Superior Spider Talk. Yeah, and um, even this week I gave away a free digital comic code. So, you know, there are plenty of reasons to come and check us out on Facebook. And don't forget to check out Mark's site on Facebook as well. Yeah, so you, you, can, you can find uh, Chasing Amazing at Facebook.com slash Chasing Amazing. Although I will occasionally throw stuff from my site up on Superior Spider Talk's Facebook page. So, and you're welcome to do the same, Dan. So, All right. Uh, <laughs> for, for what it's worth. <laughs> well, Mark, press promotion. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, where can we find the rest of your stuff on the Internet? Yes, well, you know, the home base, of course, is www.chasingamazingblog.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. Uh, there is my semi-weekly gimmick or good column at Comics Should Be Good Blog. And just very recently, I started a, a new gig at the uh, the huge whatculture.com site. That's the site where you get all those top ten lists. Uh, I, I penned my first feature there. It was the top ten green go- uh, horrible things the Green Goblin has done to Spider-Man. I'll be writing on the comic section there uh, a couple times a month and um you know they they seem pretty freewheeling about assignments so you know maybe you'll see me writing about movies and tv and other things great i look forward to it mark your first one was such a big hit 
Yeah, it's already it's it was three days in as of this recording, and it's got fifty thousand views. So you know, it's like welcome to the big time, kids. <laughs> Dan, where can we find your your goods and materials? Well, when I'm not busy uh, looking at your name in lights, I'm uh, working <laughs> working on the internet. Um, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at @dangavazdan or my personal site dangavazdan.com. You can meet, read my movie reviews at grindmyreels.com, and uh, you can check out all my Spider-Man stuff at superiorspidertalk.com or by following us on Twitter at sup spidertalk. Um, we got a bunch of new things coming on the site this week. Mark, you have a great feature. Uh, your next, it feels like the first time feature where you're talking about. Spidey's secret being let out of the box, just like we talked about today. Yeah, yeah. If you, you could tell that I had a one-track mind when it came to Superior 28 and what I thought was the big reveal. But but I think you know, you'll forgive me for, for focusing a, a very long-winded column about it, right? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's nice and long. I can't, I, I can't <laughs> wait to post it. And um, it'll probably be up by the time you guys hear this. And we have another one, Tyler Barlas, our old friend, from the you know episode three of the show um, from Spider Fan, he's working on the site. He has a column about uh, all of Spider Man's uh, friends, and he's talking about the history of Spider Man and Moon Knight teaming up. So that should be kind of exciting, especially with that new Moon Knight book coming out. Moon Knight, man, I wouldn't even have thought of that relationship. I can't wait to read that one. Yeah, it's it's all kinds of crazy. So I hope you guys come by and check it out. I think you'll like both those. Do we talk about Ultimate Moon Knight in that piece, Dan? <laughs> I don't think so, but that is an interesting character. I will, I will yeah, say that. Absolutely. All right. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. We should probably finish up, right? Yeah, yeah. Mark, um, um, I hear some whispers on the wind that uh, you have a, uh, a saying that you like to say here at the end of the show. Yeah, I guess I guess we've kind of run our course with fake Uncle Ben stories. So I'll just say, as our real Uncle Ben would say, with great podcasts must also come. Superior Spider Talk. <laughs> <laughs>